there's a simple little phrase that I love, which is we want what we want. And sometimes we don't even know why, but there's sometimes something very deep and profound about tapping into what it is that we desire and following that. Sometimes that leads us on these incredible life journeys. Of course, there are sort of these deeper desires that are sometimes more profound and they're often very, you know, superficial desires, which might be distractions. So sorting through that is important, but at the core of it, we try to help students just tap into what it is that, that is calling to them and how they can move toward that. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Don't Force It. Today, I've got a real treat for you. I've got my business partner, Jay Bacrania, joining us to talk about the foundations of our academic coaching program. So academic coaching is sometimes called executive function coaching at other places. What we do at Signet is really a mix of executive function coaching and life coaching. We use sort of a pure coaching methodology. It's very student-centered to help students identify and resolve challenges they're facing in their life or help them move towards a vision of the person they want to be, the life that they want to live. And it all sounds very pie in the sky and idealistic, but we have a lot of really practical tools and structured discussions that enable us to help a student identify these things and actually make progress towards them. So I wanted to bring Jay on here to really talk about the foundations of this program and the philosophy behind it. So I'm really excited for you to hear from him. He's an extremely thoughtful person. And I think by listening to him, you can really tell where the heart of Signet really comes from. It's really this philosophy that we've all really bought into that education is an amazing tool for personal growth. So without further ado, let's let's listen in to Jay and me discussing what he calls the, the five keys of academic success. And I would love to start with, what are you seeing? What kind of challenges are you seeing students struggling with these days? I think the big one that I think I'm seeing now is around motivation and around this big sense of, or, or this sense of what's the point. I think kids have been through a lot over the last several years. And as they look at their peers going to college, they hear about these challenges in the economy. They think about big issues like climate change and they're thinking to themselves like, they don't have that same level of kind of clarity on how to be successful or, or what success even means to them, which I think is the ups, a part of the upside of all this chaos is that they get to define this for themselves or think about it more for themselves. On the flip side, another one that I see often is kids who are just burning themselves out, just pushing themselves so hard because in the absence of that clarity for themselves, they're just figuring out, they're, they're figuring that they, if they do everything at the best possible level, then that will be what gets them sort of success in the eyes of their family and their peers in college and just, you know, in general. If many of us took on the schedule that many 11th graders had and the level of responsibility, it, it would be overwhelming. And so just simply having the tools to meet those challenges, even if they have all the right motivations and all the right pieces in place, you know, j just kind of meeting that and maintaining a reasonably balanced lifestyle and, and mental health and physical health, just balancing it all, I think, is another big challenge. So there, there's so many that kind of fall under that general umbrella. But, but those are some of the big things that, that I'm seeing and that we're seeing. 
So it sounds like a little bit of everything, both ends of the spectrum of disengagement yep. to maybe over engagement, overextending themselves to overwhelm, not understanding how to, or the best ways for them to keep everything together and organized. And then you didn't mention this, but this is certainly something we've seen an increase in, a recognition that students have executive function challenges or an undiagnosed learning difference or a learning difference that while maybe already diagnosed, didn't really need an accommodation or you know a special 504 plan or anything like that in school, but now has reached a level that it, it does. So there, there are changes in that as well. So I know I know this, so it feels a little silly for me to ask you this question, but what's your general framework for understanding and starting to make progress against some of these challenges? Well, I'm glad you asked, Sheila. <laughs> I was working with students a lot one-on-one -on -one for executive function type challenges. But I didn't have a language around it. It was just something that happened after a, a tutoring engagement was over, like a test prep engagement was over. The parents might say, uh, would often say, hey, this was so helpful. Can you keep working with my, my, my student? And we'd work on things like time management and calendaring and motivation and just a whole host of general things that seem to be very helpful for students. So as we thought about how do we make this into something that more people on our team can do, I wanted to come up with some kind of way of articulating what it is that we do. And that was the birth of this framework, which I call the five keys. And the way I like to put this is that it is the stuff that surrounds the core academic work. So the core academic work might be, you know, learning equations in chemistry or learning how to form a good paper or learning how to do calculus. Those things are often best served by a tutor and very specific to a content area. But there's so much that goes around it that leads to success that even if a student can do those core things well around the core academic skills, sometimes they're not successful at all. And so this was sort of this surrounding set of things. So I call it the five keys. And so the first one is vision, which we'll dive into a little bit more in a moment. But that's all about just having a picture or a, just even a sense of what a student wants, right? A student having a, a vision. Now, this could be as grand as, oh, I want to become XYZ when I grow up. It's what I've wanted to do since I was you know, five. Or it could be a sense that, hey, I just want to do well enough in high school so that I have options. Or, you know what, my passion is really music, and I really want to find a way to build my life towards that, right? Vision at this age especially can be anything from just a sense of what's on the short horizon to, to a life plan. The next key is time. And so time management is so cliche, but it really is everything. If a student knows how to manage their time and their attention, which is, is a function of managing their time, and then they're able to put it into the right things and they're able to conserve it for the things that are important to them and avoid distractions. Managing routines is also a key. Routines are the way that we can, on a repeated basis, show up and perform at a high level. Managing tasks is another component of, of what surrounds you know, great academic work. We need to be able to take all the things that come into us every day, organize them uh, as students and figure out how and what to execute on when, um, how to stay on top of deadlines, all of that kind of stuff. And then lastly, stuff. And this one is not as critical. It just needs to be good enough. But if it's not, it can derail a student. And this is managing all the stuff that goes along with operating well at school or in life, uh, digital, physical stuff related to academics, backpacks, et cetera, et cetera. So within these five key lie most of the skills that are required to be 
uh, a high-functioning student, the skills that surround that core academic work that I described earlier. Great. So I know you're going to take us on a deep dive of a couple of those. Let's start with vision. Sure. So vision is one of my favorite because I tend to like to play in the land of ideas and in the future, but also because I think that it ties to one of the most core elements of being able to be successful, which is desire. And so if you boil it all down, students need to, at their core, have some kind of desire to move forward. It could be a desire to achieve something. It could be a positive desire, a desire to explore something. It could also be a negative desire, a desire to escape some kind of pain. I know that some parents are able to to influence that. They could create a, a painful environment that inspires kids to move forward. That's not our first choice, but certainly that can, that can help sometimes to have a little bit of that sense of a, a bar or consequence. But desire is really critical. Without desire, we see students in somewhat of a depressed state, often just kind of not being able to motivate, having inconsistent performance. And so vision and creating vision with a student is all about helping them to understand what it is that they want. There's a simple little phrase that I love, which is we want what we want. And sometimes we don't even know why, but there's sometimes something very deep and profound about tapping into what it is that we desire and following that. Sometimes that leads us on these incredible life journeys. Of course, there are sort of these deeper desires that are sometimes more profound and they're often very, you know, superficial desires, which might be distractions. So sorting through that is important. But at the core of it, we try to help students just tap into what it is that, that is calling to them and how they can move toward that. So a big part of our practice is helping students understand their desire, connect to that desire, contextualize it to figure out how does it, what does it mean for their academics? What does it mean for their school? What does it mean for their extracurriculars? What does it mean for the relationship with their families? And then of course, try to harness that. Before we move on from vision, I'm wondering if you could give us kind of an example of a student who is able to, I'm sure after some work, articulate a vision and then how that can connect to the actions that they might want to take, the routines or the tools that they bring into their lives. With right now, we began when she was a freshman in college. So a little bit removed from high school, but all the same things apply, same skills apply. And I know some of you on the call have college students, so this may be very relevant. But we started by trying to just ask the question of what do you want to accomplish in this year and then in college? We came back to that quite, we come back to that question every semester. And over the course of probably the first two years of just revisiting that question and going through her experiences in college, she began to articulate a life that was really balanced. That was something really important to her. Now, her natural disposition was not toward balance. It was toward extremes, both in academics and in social life. And so by articulating, she, she realized though that she had the most sense of fulfillment, meaning, happiness, you know, sustainability for her own life, actually making those things explicit and articulating them. Then she's able to come up with almost a, a rubric for herself to ask herself, hey, how are things going? And we come back to that pretty often, especially in the middle of the semester when things start to get really busy or when she's going out a lot, she comes back to that and says, you know what? this is actually the picture of what I want. And so let me recalibrate and reset around this. So it's just a, it's a subtle tool. We're not banging anybody over the head with it, but it's there. She's articulated it. It's on paper, a page or two, and it's something that she can come back to and really kind of reset herself against. So it's, you know, exactly the power of a vision board as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Except, you know, for students, it might not be cutting out pictures from a magazine. It might be imagining a life where they're not spending eight hours a night on homework that takes their peers three hours to do. 
or you know any number of other other things that they can imagine and i get a lot of questions from parents who are like asking us to get in there and make a result happen within the first meeting or two and they say yeah, yeah, yeah all this vision stuff sounds great but really i want them to use a calendar or i want them to start turning their homework in on time like i don't want to waste time on vision so you know you've you've told us a little bit about why it's important for a student's life to build some sense of vision and internal internal desire but why is it also important in the short term for executive function coaching or this kind of coaching to work yeah for for students to do anything hard especially if they're challenged in the executive functions they need to have a level of motivation. When there's a common quote, uh, sometimes attributed to Viktor Frankl, I'm sure I don't have it right here, but but the spirit of it is when you have the right why, you can endure any what. And so in cases, especially in cases where kids are having a hard time meeting the challenges in front of them, they've got to have a story in their minds as to why it's important to, to move towards this. Now, there are all sorts of other things that could be happening if, if a child isn't able to be successful. And so just having the right story in their heads is not going to all of a sudden change all of that. But at least gives them the reason to continue on whatever road they're on, especially if they're facing some challenges. So this brings me to the next thing I hope you can talk to us about. It's not technically one of the five keys, but it's certainly underlying all of this stuff. And it's around mindset and not just mindset for the student, but also mindset for the family. You know, we can't just change things at school and expect everything's gonna be okay for this kid if parents are emphasizing different things or have a different set of criteria for success. So talk to us about mindset a little bit, if you could. Sure, so with mindset, I think about this sort of underlying idea or philosophy that we really, really hold dear, which is that the goal of education is to help us find our place in the world, or perhaps better said, to help us create our place in the world. And time and time again, we see both with students and with adults, that ideal place seems to be at the intersection of doing something that a student loves, something that they're good at, and something that the world gives them recognition for. I say recognition because at a younger age, it's not always, you know, it doesn't necessarily translate to economics. At an older age, often this is sort of the, the way that we find our, our ideal career. And it's building a life around that. Of course, that doesn't mean we're ignoring other things, but that's sort of a core in many ways of, of our lives. And so it's so important to recognize that education is not to learn stuff. It's not to get good grades. It's not to get to a certain college. It's to help us understand that process of that we go through, which is iterative. It's a lot of going in one direction, realizing it's the wrong direction, going in another. A lot of zigzagging. But if done right, it's that process that leads us to that place where we really really feel like, you know, every day is a new day and brings something, a new adventure, a new journey for us. And so we believe in that deeply because we think that that's what leads to a meaningful life. And we believe that education is all about that. And if that's the case, then there's a certain mindset that accompanies that, that we feel is really helpful and powerful and also leads to resilience, which is that it's not necessarily about the short-term success or about the comparison to what one should do in the short term, but it's about repeating 
repeatedly engaging in this process of moving forward and reflecting and moving forward and reflecting and calibrating and moving forward, reflecting and calibrating. It's something along the lines of that openness to experience, that looking at everything as data and input, keeping a long-term focus on a child's well-being and success in, in their life, not just in school. Remembering that school is a, is a very important part of progress and should be managed carefully and students should strive for excellence. And I'm wondering if we can address the, I think the thing that probably brought most of the people here today is, you know, my kid is struggling in school. They may be disengaged or not getting good grades or working so hard and that they're burning themselves out. And I think a lot of that obviously comes from a place of love and, and care for their children. But I know that for many people, it's also like, how are they going to get into a good college? How are they going to, if they don't get it together right now, they will not get the grades they need. They will not do well on the SAT. They will not be able to get into good college. And that's like a whole domino thing, right? So talk about how do we balance those things? Because those are very real concerns, right? Students are going through this process. College is, you know, necessary for certain types of careers and certain types of lives. So how do we balance that? It's necessary and important. And it's also sometimes important for a parent and family's identity, and we can't discount that. So so yeah, you're right. There is a tension there, especially if a student is not performing very well. And what we generally say is that every, what I generally say is that every situation is different and that you kind of have to get under the hood to see what's going on. But at a very general level, what I recommend is that parents provide students the support and tools that they need to be successful in the short term. And successful generally means progress, right? Just do better than yesterday, because that usually is better for everyone without sacrificing that sort of long-term journey and picture that you said, Sheila, so that you alluded to earlier. So for example, if a student's really suffering in a math class behind in uh, other classes and is in 10th grade and, you know, this whole college conversation is looming. Well, sure. It might be nice to say, all right, well, let's step back and just kind of think about the big picture and really get them aligned. And that's important. But at the same time, we also have to make sure that they don't, you know, they don't have results that end up causing them more pain or causing them regret or causing them not to be able to, to perform, you know, the way that they want to or their family wants to wants them to. So I think it's just this balance of how do we support in the short term while inspiring growth and in aligning with what's in the student's best interest, right? Not pushing them too hard and it, while also building that foundation for longer term success. So two things I'll mention when it comes to students who are underperforming, it's just really important to ask an honest, open and honest why, which is typically best asked not by the parent because the parent has a lens through which They've seen their kids for so long that sometimes they don't, they can't see certain patterns because in many cases, there's something underlying that. It could be a mindset issue. It could be a learning challenge. It could be a subclinical learning challenge. It could be just some bad habits that have compounded that they can't get out of. So it's really important to look at that and ask why and really assume that it is not a won't, but a can't. Assume that students are not performing poorly because they won't do something but because they can't. And then really honestly asking what might that can't be. Sometimes it's a won't, but, but often that's not the case. So that's for underperforming students. And for students who are really overstretched and overextended, what I find is really important there is really interrogating why. Why are they pushing themselves so hard? What is it that they believe that this leads to? What are they getting from it? And how can they really try to reflect on this 
with, with a critical mindset to ask themselves what's really important here. And then additionally in that conversation also to think about what the costs are. Uh, because very often students are just pushing themselves really hard because they have a vague notion of what they should be doing. They haven't actually broken that down into the real specifics. Okay, I actually, I want to go to this college, but here's what that looks like. And here's why. And wait a second, that's not actually, you know, that, that's not actually my reasoning, or that's just because my friends are talking about this all the time. And really trying to interrogate those specifics that are driving them. And again, that can sometimes be done in the parental relationship, but often, you know, coaching type relationship tends to allow things into the conversation that aren't often in a in a family conversation. Yeah, even a, a mentor, a teacher at school, a sports coach, older relative, yes. someone who's not the parent, someone that the parent trusts but that the kid will open up to, I think is a really key kind of guideline there. But before you go, Jay, talk to us about one of your favorite tools, like land the plane with something really practical that we can walk away with. Really practical. Great. So I have a favorite tool and it is this. It's called the weekly review. And so what this is, is ideally a, a student can pick a standing time every week. Sometimes a Friday or a Sunday are good and walk through this agenda. They can sometimes do it by themselves. They could do it with a coach. They could do it with a sibling. They could even do it with a parent, as long as a parent can hold that space and avoid the, the shoulds that often come out into those conversations. And what students should be asking is what went well last week? What could have gone better? And this isn't like a deep dive. This is just two or three things that could have gone better. Well, I could have not forgotten my backpack at school when I had to do the homework, or I could have planned a little bit farther ahead and started my paper two days ahead of time instead of the night before. Little things like that, we want students to notice those because very often students will just go through their academic lives assuming however things are, they are, that, that not realizing they have agency to make so many things better. And then I recommend a course scan, which is reviewing each course subject or commitment, right? A commitment could be an extracurricular activity or it could be even, even a family commitment or, or something else. But what are the you know, three, four, five, six key standing commitments that a student has, reviewing those every week and asking the following questions. Where am I at in this class or commitment? How am I doing? What's, is it going well? Is it going poorly? What's coming up in the next two weeks? Not just the next week. We want two weeks so we can see far over the horizon as to what's ahead. What specifically do I need to do this week to be successful? By when? And this should be broken down into specific actionable steps. Okay, I've got a paper due it's Friday. I have a paper due next Friday. I need to break this down into four or five chunks, identify how long each one will take. And then also a separate question, what am I going to do on the flip side of that to enjoy and explore? And when am I going to do that? Let's make sure that there's that joy built in. And then finally, numbers three and four, four all the to-dos need to go into a calendar or some kind of reliable system that students can use. And so you, you might be looking at this thinking, oh, great, perfect, my student can do this, they'll love this. Or you might be looking at this and saying, are you out of your mind? My student doesn't have a calendar, how are they gonna do this? And so this is something that we often do as, as a sort of a foundational tool that we use in our coaching, where we do this every week with students. So we do it together with them and help them really plan the week. What I like to say is if you do this most weeks, it means that the wheels can't really come off the wagon. You you can have a bad week, but you get to hit the reset button every week and you get to come back and say, all right, what am I going to do differently? How am I going to make this upcoming week better? And so this is my, my, my with, with all the, you know, the counterpoint to all those ideas and the philosophical thinking is really just this weekly agenda. How do we really make every week go just a little bit better than the previous week? By the way, adults, parents, this is a tool that you can use too. I have my own version of this, which I do religiously every week for my work life that really keeps everything on track. 
as you can probably tell towards the end of this discussion, I'm trying to get Jay to get really practical. That's where I live. It's not always where Jay lives. And that's a really great thing. It, it makes for a great partnership here. But check out the bonus episode that we're going to drop with really specific discussions of more tools that you can actually use with your students. I'll share links to the templates and the tools in the show notes. So definitely check out the bonus episode that comes on the heels of this one and come back for more at Don't Force It.